Welcome to the Translate Your Doctor podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Figures, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dr. Trey Sirtis. Trey, good afternoon. Hi, hello. We are catching you on a rare break. You've had a pretty grueling uh, schedule. We just got back a couple days ago from a weekend in Denver, mm-hmm. me with you and your wonderful uh, fiance. And then you hit the ground running. I know you're you're technically on one of your off cycles, but you've been busy with lecturing and preparing different doctor things, all sorts of stuff that I, even as an insider, I lose track of all the different responsibilities and hats you wear in, in your role. Yes, yes. And I'm glad that we get the time to, to go through this. I think that we should hopefully have something interesting and exciting to talk about. You and I did something a little differently today. So obviously the theme of the season is what's working in healthcare. But when you and I were preparing for today's episode, we saw something that was just too juicy to pass up. And that is a, a I don't know whether it's called a, a report or a, mm-hmm. a something from the Commonwealth Fund that you found. And I'll let you in- introduce what we're looking at here and, and we'll mm-hmm. link this document in our in our show notes. Yeah, yeah. This Commonwealth Fund is a nonprofit that's basically going in and comparing and contrasting other healthcare institutions in the westernized countries. So the 11 sort of top healthcare sort of countries in the world and comparing and contrasting them based on a variety of things. So kind of like the things that they're ranking them across are access to care, care process, which we're going to talk about administrative efficiency, equity, healthcare outcomes. So kind of like the big stuff you would want to know if you were praising a healthcare institution globally, like as a whole. Yeah, there's a there's a whole episode that we could do, should do around how do you grade healthcare in general? Like how, how do you try to give healthcare a report card? How do you grade doctors? How do you grade healthcare mm-hmm. institutions, hospitals? It's a huge topic of debate in our uh, healthcare ecosystem. And the title of this report is Mirror Mirror 2021 Reflecting Poorly. And the subheading, which is most illustrative, is healthcare in the U.S. compared to other high-income countries. And as you mentioned, this is a report intended to try to stratify and try to quantify the United States healthcare system compared to other developed nation healthcare systems. Yeah. And despite the season being about what's working, you're not going to be surprised when this thing reflects poorly, like it's saying that the U.S. ranks last in all of them, all of those things we just talked about, overall ranking access to care, administrative efficiency, equity, and healthcare outcomes, except care process. And so we were kind of going to try and say, well, you know what, despite all this bad news, what is the good news that sort of shines through and how can we best appreciate what this means? Yeah, the I appreciate I'm trying to look at these two access to care, mm-hmm. care process, administrative efficiency, equity, and then outcomes. So it, it's a more stratified version of, of when I took my healthcare policy classes and uh, getting my master's, they they it's called the the iron triad or the healthcare Mm -hmm. triad. It's three things. It's quality, cost, and access. Those are the three things that people talk about. And what's, what's said is you can have two, you can't have three. If you have quality and access, then you don't, then you have unaffordable cost. If you have Mm -hmm. low cost and high quality, then you have very limited access for people to that that level of care, that you get two of those things and not three of those things. So I appreciate 
that this is is creating some additional stratifications and trying to to look at the the comparisons between systems. I'm not sure. I'm looking at these again. Australia, Canada, France, Germany, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, uh, and the United Kingdom on top of the United States. I'm embarrassed to admit I don't know that much about other healthcare systems. Are are we the only one? Uh, all those other systems have some sort of public access, I assume. I'm, I'm not sure if that's covered. Many here. do. I'm not going to pretend to be a geopolitical expert about all the various healthcare systems, but in essence, the United States is unique for its lack of public option. We'll put it that way. And one could argue that, of course, there's a partial socialization of our healthcare with Medicaid and Medicare. That is an absolute fact. Whether or not it's branded as such is, is hotly contested. But a lot of these countries, somewhat notoriously in some circles or famously in others, have a public option, have a certain degree of, again, socialized health care. But as to being able to speak to the nitty gritty, it's difficult for me to say that. A lot of these places do give you the option of private health care in addition to the public option. My understanding is mm -hmm. similar, that most other countries have some sort of public option uh, available. The I'm curious, before getting into this, what was your, did you have a, a default understanding, a default stereotype on like where you felt like the U.S. excelled? I, I don't know what your bias was coming into this. Sure. The stereotype, right, is that despite being expensive, despite being inefficient, the U.S. healthcare system leads technologically, educationally, and in terms of the the cutting edge of healthcare in the world. You see this predominantly in terms of transplant science, surgical advancements, specifically microsurgical advancements, robotics utilized in healthcare, algorithmic sort of AI in healthcare. You see a lot of this focused upon. And so while some of that is true, that was certainly my bias going into it, whether that is actually how it whether that's how the world really is, it, there's something to be said for that, especially when you look at data pools and reports such as this. Yeah, uh, the the talking points, the talking points that I'm most familiar with, familiar with are exactly what you said, which is we have exceptionally high quality and we trade that high quality to keep people out of the system that because of our enormously wonderful quality, we pay physicians very well in this country. We have the most advanced technology and the best medications, but you have to pay to play, that you have to be willing to, to pay a high price, pay high premiums, have high deductible health plans to be able to afford the top of the line type care in this country. And that to some extent, it's it's whatever the opposite of a race to the bottom is. It's it's a race to the top to some extent that, that there isn't, it's not like you have a, a broad range of physicians that are that are offering services at different price points. The market sort of decides, yeah, it's going to be. It's just relatively expensive to get surgery, regardless of where you get surgery. You're getting surgery. We've just decided it's fairly expensive because you're not getting a ton of different supplies and a ton of different labor costs. That the market has just bundled everything on the expensive uh, on the expensive side, and so that's often the critique then against these countries with a public option is is this notion of well, 
yeah, sure, it's you've got this public, you know, public access to care, but you've got these waiting, these long lines, and <laughs> you, they can't keep doctors. They're not getting good doctors because all the good doctors come to the United States, and and this, yeah. that, and the other. Yeah, yeah, and it's just not true. I mean, some of it is true, right? I think that there's no doubt when I speak with a very biased population, right? The foreign medical graduates is their term, which is just referencing people who trained in a country outside of the United States who come to the United States to subsequently retrain and then practice. They frequently are saying, yeah, I mean, I'd rather practice here. The freedom of practice is greater. The, the ability to make more money is greater. The ability to have more control over my practice is greater. And which patients I see, what do I do? And just the excitement also, again, getting into that stereotype, whether it's true or not, of cutting edge medicine and access to that. So I think that just isn't everything. There are some semblance of truth in those, but whether or not it's actually representative of where our healthcare system is and what foreign medical graduates would have here versus in their own institutions, very different. Granted, a lot of these people who I've either worked with or have met before are not coming from these countries represented in this report. They're, in fact, I think I've met zero, hmm. in fact, who've come from these places, which I think should be telling. Yeah, it's not like people are fleeing from Switzerland in droves to be doctors in, in the US. That makes, a, that makes a ton of sense. The thing I like about reports like these, and I don't read enough of them, is, is it begs the question, what is our healthcare system for? Like, what is the what are the goals of the system? And that's a good question to ask of, of anything, right? Like, what's the point of being married? What's the point of, of right. being a parent, right? It, it, things that are meant to force you to step back and ask these big questions and to yes. evaluate, how am I doing at my job of being a blank? And so to the extent that the healthcare system as a whole, as an entity, has an obligation to the customer, the, the people in this country that consume healthcare services, there's, a, I think, an appropriate question of to what extent is the healthcare system doing its job? And there's absolutely a, a broad way to have the conversation of what is the job. And so from this article's perspective, if you are to take at face value that the job of the healthcare system is to do a substantive, a, a good enough, deliver good enough results in access, uh, care process, administrative efficiency, equity, and healthcare outcomes. The conclusion of this article is that the United States ranks last, 11 out of 11 in right. terms of delivering on all of those uh, measures in a combined way. If you take an right. aggregate score right. across those measures that Except were last. Except in care process, probably right, right. the less intuitive of, in fact, I didn't exactly know that sounded like a very, I don't know, vague and nebulous term when I read it, because I think <clears throat> equity outcomes, that makes sense, even if you need to define what, how they're defining it, but at least makes intuitive sense. But I was like, care process, what does that mean? And so specifically what they're saying is, you know, includes measures of preventative care, safe care coordinated care, and engagement and patient preferences. And we were number two on this. And frankly, I found that was because you asked me about what was my assumption, what was my stereotype, et cetera, my bias when I entered medicine. I certainly wouldn't have said that preventive care was something we excel at. I did not feel, nor do I feel that safe care is something we excel at because of all the medical errors that happen that lead to unnecessary deaths every year, thousands of them. Coordinate care, wouldn't have said that. 
because of the kind of how fragmented or at least the perception of how fragmented our system is amongst all the specialists. And then engagement patient preferences, I don't quite, that one still is a little nebulous when I read their definition. But I, I don't know, what are your thoughts just hearing, hearing that, that care process is something that funnily enough, we excel at, we're second for that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I appreciate even being made aware that that's a that's a domain that that is worth trying to quantify, uh, especially because I almost feel like you want to split those up into two different categories, because mm-hmm. on one on one side, preventative care, safe care and coordinated care, that makes sense as a category. And then I would actually separate out into a different category, engagement and patient preferences Mm -hmm. and like patient engagement is a different category. I'd be interested in that being um, separated out because I could, I could see it'd be interested. I I think there's an interesting split that we talk about a lot and that patients Mm -hmm. are very happy with their doctors. Like healthcare overall has an incredible net promoter score. If for those that are familiar with that, that rating, which is like the, the percentage of people that would that would recommend this service to a to a friend or family. And it only counts like, you know, people that would give it like an eight, nine or 10. It, it's got a funny math. But anyways, net promoter score is the the score for healthcare, And it's regularly in the 90s. And Apple Apple products, as a counterexample, it's like in the 40s for a net promoter score. You know, people love their doctors. People hate the healthcare system, but they love the people in the healthcare system that are actually uh, healing them. Right. And you know, it's so funny, just like going down further and there are these little brief summary paragraphs. I think that, again, we talked about this offline just before this. And for those who are very interested in this and and are a little intimidated by reading academic um, literature, this is written in a way that is actually quite understandable and and easy to appraise. And you can get into all the data if you'd like to, as well as their processes, but it's, it's actually really great. So again, talking to what you're talking about, this engagement patient preferences, like do, you know, patients love their doctors, hate the the healthcare system in general. I just found it fascinating to say U.S. adults have the lowest rate of continuity with the same doctor. Uh, presumably, they don't say, but explicitly, I, I imagine it's of the 11 countries that they talk about. And But among people with chronic illness, U.S. adults are among the most likely to discuss goals, priorities, and treatment options with their provider, though less likely to receive as much support from health professionals as they felt was needed. And uh, fascinating, you know, because again, I think this speaks to what you were saying at the very beginning, which is all of these reports, assessing quality, assessing, trying to grade healthcare systems or professional standards, really hard. And it just depends upon what are you looking at? What questions are you asking? Because like you're talking about with this, you said net promoter score, you know, that is likely asking very different questions in different terminology than how this uh, data is leading to their conclusion. And I find that fascinating. If it, is, if it obviously makes it complicated in terms of determining how bad something or how good something is though, right? Yeah, exactly. Because it's just one question, which is what's your likelihood to recommend? What's your likelihood to recommend this service to a friend or family? And the positive scores are, sub- or the negative scores are subtracted from the pro- positive scores. So if you have 90% positive, 10% negative, your net promoter score is 80. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I'm trying to look, this was done via, a, was it a survey? I'm trying to get how they, I'm trying to find how they. Well, it's, it seems 
when you look through it, it's actually a, a amalgamation of data, right? They're actually, because there's stuff in here, there's infant mortality, right? Women who are pregnant mortality, there's survey data. Yeah, there it you is. Look at the methods. They're looking at 71 performance measures across five domains, which is the ones that we've listed. And then they, they show, they send out, I guess their, whatever their survey is, I'm sure it's proprietary. And then within each country, and then they take administrative data, all right, and it looks like from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development and the World Health Organization. So they're trying to go to big healthcare institutions that cross borders because, again, this is a nonprofit. This is not something that's based or has, I would say, a dog in the game, if you will, or a horse in the game to, about who, which healthcare system should win, which is why I think it's more representative of what actually is going on with in terms of quality, because a lot of individual countries, right, they can put their own data out. So to answer your question, it's a it's a mix of data points. Yes, I appreciate that. This is just such a fascinating study from my perspective. Something I used to tell people when I worked in uh, the hospital is that part of why I really enjoyed healthcare and I really liked working in the hospital is because a hospital is a really unique entity. And that is most hospitals are capitalistic, private entities. I shouldn't say they're capitalistic, but but they exist within a capitalistic system. Our healthcare system is a capitalistic system uh, or part of our capitalistic system. What that means is it's not a public utility. It's not, it's not like the, the post office, or that's a bad example. It's not like, you know, a government function that that sort of exists outside of our transactional system. It's a part of that transactional way that our society works, but it also serves a public good, right? The hospital has to let you into the emergency room and treat you. Like it is a, it serves a, it serves a good for the public, and there are public uh, there's entities and bodies that ensure that the disenfranchised can always get care somewhere in their in their community. And I right. always think that is so. The, so fascinating. But this report highlights for me that as a whole, to the extent that our system largely is meant to serve a public good of some kind, that it is sorely lacking. And that there is a lack of incentives or continues to be a lack of incentives in our system to ensure that whatever standard we're trying to set for the healthcare system to serve the public good, that it is, it is underperforming. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah, the example when you're talking about, you know, was it a public utility and so on, it may not be perfect is that, you know, a hospital is not a water fountain. It's a vending machine that sells water. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I really need this. And in some situations, it's dire, but you really had to pay to play as opposed to just walking up and using it and something that's necessary for life. And yeah. again, Politics aside, some would argue that, again, it should be a right, that it should be a water fountain. And for many years, especially since so many hospitals, and you could talk to this, right, which is that many were based off of religious institutions, specifically Catholic institutions. And so a lot of their charge was to deliver free care. But in the era of, of privatized healthcare in the United States and how expensive it is, it's not tenable to just give that care away solely to make it a water fountain back to our our analogy and even though a lot of care is given away depending on your institution right i work at an institution where a ton of care is just given away and that's the expectation but there are other institutions like one of our sister hospitals that it is that is not the case that's not the expectation yeah, it's really interesting. And of course, the critique in the healthcare system, there's nothing inherently wrong with applying any capitalistic model to any system. Our country works with plenty of different things that function in that way. And the analogy I should have used for serving a public good, obviously, the police 
department, sure, the sure. fire station, right? The public utilities that serve without a transactional incentive, right? You, you if you need the um, police, they don't charge you for it. If you need the fire station, they don't charge you for it. But if you dial 911 and you, you're having a heart attack and you're transported to the emergency room, you will get a bill. You will get a bill for the privilege of having had an ambulance save your life. And the problem, of course, is the lack, the asymmetry of information. And that is patients are not good consumers because there's so much that they don't know. And you and I have talked about that before, that one of the big challenges in our healthcare system is that patients are not equipped to advocate for themselves. That they really rely on healthcare insiders, people like me, people like you, to assist them in navigating the healthcare system on their behalf. And that breaks down along with the fact that, as you've told me, you don't believe that patients are actually payers, that patients are actually the ones you know, making these decisions because the insurance companies are actually, you know, it's the insurance company's bank accounts that are used to pay providers and pay um, so many healthcare uh, entities. The patients pay the insurance company and the insurance company pays the actual uh, healthcare entities. So uh, an enormously complex set of circumstances that leads to patients being quote unquote, bad consumers or uninformed, misinformed consumers of healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know that we could talk about this endlessly. I think that what I would want to leave on, which is a positive note, because I think that despite, you know, again, of the five domains, four of them we perform last in, I think that the conclusions that are drawn from this, this report are very salient and I think applicable, particularly with things that we talk about, notably you discuss when you describe virtual primary care and so on. But, and this is, it's a bit long, but again, they just talk about four features, four features that distinguish the top performers from the bottom, which is the United States. And it's one, they provide universal coverage and remove cost barriers. So the first one makes a little sense, right? It's just like get everybody access because that obviously fix the equity issue or at least attempts to fix it. Removing cost barriers, it can be complicated, but and I don't think we need to elaborate that right now. But, you know, maybe the third season could be how should we fix, you know, we, we celebrate what's wrong this season. It's like, well, what's right? And then maybe how can we contribute best could be the next thing theme that we've approved. But anyway, so number one, they provide universal coverage, remove cost barriers. Number two, they invest in primary care systems to ensure that high value services are equitably available in all communities to all people. That makes sense. Three, they reduce administrative burdens that divert time, efforts, and spending from health improvement efforts. So like trying to cut out the middlemen, trying to cut red tape. I think anybody could understand that. And four, they invest in social services, especially for children and working age adults. And yeah, yeah I, th I think it's, again, I, I think that uh, the Commonwealth Project or, Com is that what it's called? Yeah, the Commonwealth Fund, excuse me, is an, an enormously a great job in, in aggregating so much information. And I really like these four uh, items, universal coverage, primary care systems, reducing administrative burden, and investing in social services, all things that when you list them that way, I, I feel like the, right. the, our system has not done an enormously uh, good job of, I think we do have fairly good primary care access, but you can you know throw a rock and you'll hit an article written about our primary care shortages especially in rural markets, less developed areas, part of our parts of our country. But these sorts of studies are fascinating. And I, 
I appreciate the chance to have a discussion around, is our healthcare system doing what it is supposed to do to be considered a well-functioning healthcare system? And, and what I told you offline is mm-hmm. that this is another example of that, that our country in a lot of ways is a, is a wonderful place to be if you have resources. Because I think a lot of consumers that have resources have a different healthcare experience than those that do not have resources, that do not have the ability to to pay for advocacy and to to have options when selecting their care. Because that continues to be a barrier that I see in healthcare, that if you do not have resources and do not have the ability to get informed, that you often end up with worse outcomes. Yeah, a lot of country clubs or gated communities, you know, I mean, that's kind of how I think about it, which is like, oh, I love my neighborhood. I love where I live. It's like, well, can anyone move there? I'm like, well, no, <laughs> you know, unless you have the the way to pay. Because I think that, you know, again, the Mayo Clinics, the Cleveland Clinics, the Kaiser Foundations, you know, like these big entities that are attempting to do what this is describing, you know, I mean, we're obviously generalizing, but that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to rein in costs, bring it in network create their own uh, community so that they can emphasize primary care, you know, invest in universal coverage for its members, clearly give it the same access to all the who are within it, and then try and cut down on those administrative burdens. And while in, in, at the same time, sort of investing across the way, whether it's urgent care facilities, primary care facilities, hyper-specialized hospitals, et cetera. And I think that that's what we're seeing, but is that going to everyone? And I imagine what is messing with the data when you are looking at the United States is, are those peaks and troughs, right? You're seeing the people who are really well represented and then those, again, many of the patients I care for, it's just like, there's nothing. They're like, you know, forgotten by society in many ways, including healthcare. And that means that that, that again, that nadir is just like pulls down the average so much because there's just so many people who can go to the country club. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that's an excellent last word on this topic. Once again, I'll let everyone know if you need to get a hold of Trey or I, you can always email us at translateyourdoctor at gmail.com. Give us a like, give us a comment. We always appreciate it. Trey, let's do this again next week. All right. Thanks so much.